Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. It's so good to have you all here with us. You guys can keep talking, but I'll just kind of move things on. I I promise you I want to keep things uh, brief this morning. Everyone's like, yay. I know that there's a lot of things happening today. Many of you have family that's coming over or, or... Going to family today depends on your tradition at the Christmas time. So I want to allow you as much time with your family as possible. But we are here to, again, celebrate not just uh, the season, but to worship God and what that means and looks like to us. As we've been doing for a number of years now, during this season, we are trying to reclaim the attitude of Christmas I shared, I think I shared last week that Forbes estimated that in 2016, there was a trillion dollars spent in the U.S. on Christmas alone. That's more than a lot of countries' national gross product. And you think about all that money that's being used to be given to people in celebration of gifts, and it is just so much money. And how many people go in debt? And I don't know about you, but I get anxiety if I go into any kind of mall right now. I just don't go there. I I can't. Really, I do. I I start breaking out in sweats. You know, I'm going to pass out right there. Just like, I can't do it. And I don't think that this is the intention of what Christmas is supposed to be about. It's not about spending more than we have and buying gifts for people who already probably have enough things. It really is about a poor young teenage girl giving birth in a stable, in a place where there was no room, and how that affected change throughout all humanity. And how do we reclaim that? How do we get that back? How do we stop this runaway train of going crazy and buying and, oh, no, I got to get them a present because they got me a present. But if I get them a present, I got to get his sister a present because otherwise she'll get upset because I didn't get that. And she has a baby. I got to get the baby a present because and it goes on at nauseum. Right. It just goes on and on and on. And so what we've been trying to do, and I say trying because I haven't been always successful at this is trying to actually spend less but give more. In other words, instead of spending our money, let's give relationally. Let's spend some time, maybe write a card. Or what we've been doing is contributing to different events 
every year that helps us kind of gather our resources as a community and, and further what we believe the gospel is meant to do, and that's to help people. And so this year we are contributing to a Goats and Garden project. It's taking place there at uh, St. Andre's School in Haiti. We've raised over $1,500 right now, but we'd like to get more and we'll continue this on through the end of the year. Who knows, maybe longer. We'd like to raise $5,000. And what $100 will do, will buy a goat. Think about that. Now, I, I got to share something with you guys because in the busyness of the holiday season, my wife saw one of these inflatables that you put up in the front yard you know, and it's an elephant with Santa on it or something like that, right? And she just thought, oh, we got to get this, you know, because I don't know why, but we have to get this. You know, it's an elephant with Santa. Why would you miss that? Where do you see that? You know, we need that in our front yard. Judah will love it. And I said, well, you know, we can contribute instead and buy a goat. And she said, that's better, right? She stopped and yay for her. She, she paused. We don't have a giant elephant in our front yard. I'm thankful because then it's got to go somewhere after the Christmas, right? And anyway, it's just another way we can say, I'm going to stop the madness of buying elephants and putting them in my front yard for Christmas and instead buy a goat for a family that's there in Haiti that they can use to get milk, that they can use to use that milk for other items. And then they're also planting a garden, getting the food to feed the kids there at the school. And this is something that can go on and on. $100 buys a goat. Another $100 pays for the care of that goat for an entire year, gets the vaccinations and things that the goats need, uh, making sure that they're checked up and doing well. They're not allowed to kill and eat the goat for a number of years. After so many years, then they get to because... When you're hungry and there's a goat, you know, I'm hungry and there's a goat. So these are the things that we're trying to help so that there can be progress made for these children there in Haiti. And I share that with you, hoping that you will join us in stopping the madness and investing instead in a project like that. You can give, and you don't have to give $100. You can give any amount uh, there you can give more. Um, you can give there at the tablet in the back or put an envelope there and just mark it Goats and Garden Project. The money will go through for a reason for that uh, project there in Haiti, and they will get the entire amount of that money. And so it's a great opportunity, again, for us to participate in something that's bigger. So just sharing that, also I wanted to let you know that this year we've decided because of this and to try and stop the madness, instead of spending a few hundred dollars on plants, you know, we get the, what are those red ones? Poinsettias, that's what they are. I'm Christmassy, you know. Uh, instead of spending a few hundred dollars on plants, we're going to put that money towards the Goat and Garden Project, Okay. We got to walk the talk, you know. And so if you're saying, wow, they really didn't go all out. We did. It's just showing up in goats, okay? <laughs> and so this is, again, how we want to invest our time and money. And we also want to invest relationally. You know, it really is about people. I've always said that those who fail to recognize the value of people will fail to represent Jesus Christ because it is all about God's love and care for us.
And so this morning, we're going to be continuing our series on The Long Night is Ending, and we're going to be talking about hope. This morning, I'm going to be speaking to you on fake news. I'm going to be talking to you on, <laughs> on scooters. We're going to be talking about, whoop, that's not right, it's supposed to be uh, the Statue of Liberty. I don't know if you've got that one there, Rick. Nope. We're going to be talking about knitting. There's, and we're going to be talking about lullabies, Okay. Through this series, we've talked about a number of things. We've looked at truth. You know, this Christmas story is leaning into the things that really we desire. We, we desire truth. We want to know meaning. We, we are hungry for those kinds of things. And we saw that where we would equate truth with information, where if we know something, then it makes it true. But truth is much more than that. Truth is more than just the gathering of information. It's an encounter that changes us. If something is true, but it has no effect on your life, then it doesn't ring true. It's just information. It might be accurate information, but that information does nothing to change us as human beings. And what we're seeing in Christ is that there is an encounter with truth that sets us free. An encounter with truth that is supposed to have an effect on how we live. We also talked about love, that there is now a a visual representation, and, and it's stronger than the verbal exclamation, right? That love is a verb. It is action. It is something that is put into practice. It is something that is displayed in what we do rather than just in what we say or what is heard. And then we talked about wonder, that there is, again, this longing in our souls for wonder, so much so that when a rocket launches at Vanderbilt, everyone thinks aliens are coming or Korea has launched missiles. We, we're, it's Santa Claus. Who knows what it is? No, it's just a rocket from Vandenberg, right? We, we are filled with this idea of wonder. And, and so much so that something that is a common occurrence, something that each one of you, I guarantee, has experienced is something that still brings wonder, and that is birth. You were all born. You might not remember it, but I guarantee you, your mom does, okay? And if you're a mom, you remember the birth of your children, and it's a wondrous event. I was there for all my children, and it was overwhelming every time that something so incredible could happen. And now we're going to talk about hope, and hope shows up in different ways. Hope is something that holds on to us, a security. It's something that we trust in. You could call it even faith. It is something that we put our stock in. And when we talk about hope, the Christmas story is our longings are enticed by these things. The things that we crave are the very things that when we are hungry for this wonder, hungry for this love and for this truth, for hope, security, trust, they are actually things that God is using us, that is pulling us to the character of who he is. And so as we look at hope and as we've been looking at all these things, instead of us living with a limited amount of truth, because we can only know so much, we are so finite in a universe that is so big, Instead of limiting ourselves with what we can know, we're invited to love and encounter the one who knows all truth. 
that God has pulled back the curtain that once veiled humanity's understanding of God, that God was something that you worshipped in a certain place. We saw that God does not dwell in temples made with hands. And when the veil was torn, what it did was not just open the way to a room, is it exposed that God is unleashed and he is everywhere and that love is now changing the fabric of humanity in the people that are there. And the mystery of God is not something that we understand. It's something that we can endlessly understand. It's something that continues to capture us just like that child who was born still causes wonder. Every time it happens, there was a child that was born that brought wonder alive into our world. The thing with all these things is no one, and I mean no one saw it coming. The prophets wrote about it, but they, I don't think, understood what was going to happen. Because to understand what's happening, you have to know the information. You have to know what's behind the information. You know, there is so much fake news today, right? Everything from political news, everything to medical news, you name it, and there's some spinoff on it. And they say to get an accurate assessment of what is happening online, you have to look at five different sources, okay? That means if you want to find out something simple, Right? You just want to know how something is working in a state. You have to look at five different sources. You have to see the bias of those sources, right? Because they are biased, right? You've got CNN, you've got Fox, and you know they're not on the same aisle. You've got, you know, everything fringe in between. And so you have to look at where it's coming from, what the bias is, and then you have to investigate the information itself. And so this news that's out there requires so much investigation just to find out something that's true, something that's there. And so when we come to the gospel story, we again are given information and it's a lot deeper than maybe we would see at first glance. We're going to start in Luke chapter one, verse 31. This is the angel speaking to Mary, giving information, okay? I think we can trust the source, right? If it's an angel from God, you hope it's not, you know, Infowars or something, okay? And it says in verse 31, and behold, some of you like Infowars, I could tell. Um, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, He will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom. There will be no end. So this is along what people were hoping for. We're hoping for, again, the Messiah means anointed one, the Christ. That's what it means. Anointed one is someone who is going to be basically like a ruler, like a king would be an anointed one. So the thoughts were that God was going to send a king who was then going to take charge in a governmental way and make things right. That was their hopes. That was their longing. So here's the first bit of information that we get. And of course, it's great news. So great that Mary breaks out into song, right? 
She talks about it. It's affirmed by her cousin Elizabeth when she sees her and she has an encounter with her and then finds out that she's pregnant as well and she's going to give birth to John the baptism later. There's also some shepherds that come along and they bring to her this news that these angels appear to them saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. And she treasures all these things in her heart. It's like, yes, this is an amazing thing, right? I, I was given this information by the angel and this is a miraculous event. And so now I've got these kinds of confirmations that's making me feel real good, treasuring these things in her heart. But it's not all the information. There's more. And so in Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 35, we get some more information. You can follow along or with me reading it or look it up yourself. And it says, and when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, this is Jesus has been born. They're going through their rituals as Jewish people to dedicate the child to the Lord. They brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consultation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him, according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what he said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Also that from many hearts will be revealed. Come on, Simeon, lighten up, right? It's a, a newborn child and you're throwing out this kind of a sword's going to pierce your soul and cause division and all this heavy stuff's going to happen. See, all of a sudden there's a little bit more information that's being put out there, more than maybe what they understood. We had this impression that this was going to go this way, but now it seems to be going in a different direction. Have you ever been made aware of something that's going to happen and you're helpless to change it? You, you're not sure what's the outcome of these things. When I was about 10 years old, me and my friend Eddie lived in Hollywood, and we found this scooter. I'm pretty sure we found it. I don't think we stole it. I, I don't remember stealing things, and I don't remember stealing And the statute of limitation is up if we did, okay? I don't think we stole it, but I remember finding this school, scooter, and it was this coolest scooter. It had a little foot brake for the back wheel. 
It also had like a little book rack on the back tire that was strong enough where you could sit on it. Okay, and which we did. So we took this scooter down to this dirt lot that used to we used to ride our bikes and mini bikes down there. And we were going to just have fun with this little scooter. And so sure enough, Eddie gets on it and he goes down this hill, down the dirt lot and is shaking. He's sitting on the thing and it's just looks and we're laughing and it's like, great. Okay, this is cool. Well, Eddie was a little bit older than me. So I was always kind of trying to up him just to prove my manliness at 10 years old. And so I got on the scooter and I started going down, but instead of just going down the straight dirt path, I was going to veer to the right. I remember it. And there was a little jump and I was going to take a jump in the scooter. Right. So I'm going and this thing's moving pretty good. Right. It's going down. I'm sitting there on the scooter and all of a sudden we hit the jump and I catch air and it's like, yes, this is great. And then I see the front tire leave. It departs from the frame of the scooter. And I know at this point, I am aware that something that I didn't plan on happening is about to happen. And sure enough, it did. The the tire went this way. The scooter went this way. The front of that frame dug into the dirt and I endowed and it tweaked the frame. It ruined everything in that first shot. I wasn't planning on that, but once I saw that tire go, I knew, oh, you know that feeling, that slow motion feeling like, no, it came, took over me, and there it was. You see, this story might not be the story that we want. You know, it would be great to have a king who just reigned and made everything right and we didn't have dishonest politicians and we didn't have corruption and we didn't have abuse of power and abuse of people. It it would be great. That would be the story we want, but it's not the story we find ourselves in. It's not the story that we're living in. And, And, you know, Jesus didn't come to create an elite country club with arbitrary list of requirements of who's in and who's out oh you pray enough you're in oh you drink hard liquor you're out right it's not this kind of things where okay that puts you in that puts you out this isn't how it works and it's much more personal and it's much more difficult and the road that started to unfold wasn't what anyone had planned They couldn't imagine what was going to happen. They didn't want what was going to happen. It blew up their idea of what anointed one was. There's an interesting passage in Psalm 42, verses 5 through 8. The psalmist says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep. At the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is with me a prayer to the God of my life. This is a beautiful psalm that really captures 
the emotion of someone who is going through something that they don't like. They're going through a difficult period of time and they are putting it into music. They're, they're putting it into words. There is a brokenness that the psalmist finds himself in and he comforts himself with the awareness that God is there like the waves crashing over him, like the sea surrounding him, like a song that comes to him in the night. In essence, this is the spirit of God, the deep spirit of God calling into the deep spirit of a man and connecting the two. And that's what's meant by deep calls into deep. The deep things of who God is that isn't fully understood by any of us calls into the deep things within our soul that isn't really understood by any of us. And it is in these things that there is an attempt of communion, of, of bonding, of connection that takes place between us wherever we are at and with God wherever he is. A number of years ago, I went to New York with my family. It was a, a whirlwind of a trip. We found out that Spirit Airlines had a deal, $99 round trip. So you got to go, right? So we did. Three days in New York, it was just get there. We, a bunch of us shared the hotel, two hotel rooms. We flew there now. It's a bare budget airlines. If you want water, they're going to charge you for it, right? It's like you're there and you're just holding on and you're sitting in your seat and you get there and then you can be in New York. It was a great time, you know, hanging out in, you know, just the square. What is it? Times Square, that I knew it was a square. Times Square and, you know, going to the different, you know, first pizza shop and all the different food. The best pasta I ever ate was in Little Italy, a place called Angelo's. Ah, I'm, I'm going to go just for that pasta again. Great time. We had a great time that was there. But while we were there, a friend of mine who was here was calling me periodically because he had some issues going on in his marriage. And so he was calling me at that time, just getting some advice from me when he could. And he started calling a lot. And I remember one time we were on a, a ferry going to see the Statue of Liberty. And as we're there, and I remember it so much as we are there, like there's the Statue of Liberty. He called and I answered because I knew it was kind of a troubling time. And I started talking to him and all hell had broken loose. He had found out that his wife is having an affair. She admitted it. And then she got upset with him, started throwing things, breaking things. He called the cops because she'd gone ballistic. The cops had come. They threatened to take the child. She started freaking out. He's freaking out. And I'm standing there hearing all this stuff as he's breaking down crying. And I'm looking at the Statue of Liberty. And it was this odd moment. It was just very surreal. It's like, freedom, this is what can happen. Our freedom is our pitfall so many times. You know, the problem is I really don't want people to know everything about me. But I want people to love me like I really am. But I don't even like who I really am many times. And this is 
the reality of where we live. And, and you see, if hope is going to show up, it has to show up in the real world with the real circumstances that we live in. It's not some platitude of, oh yes, one day you go to heaven, everything's good. What about hope right now in a mess like this? In a mess that I find myself in? in a mess that I deal with with my friends and people who are going through these things? See, I've held grown men crying on the side of a road, curled up in the fetal position, physically broken because of pain that they've experienced from people who have cheated on them, people who they loved. I've had my shoulders soaking wet from a mom crying on it as we stand before the casket of her infant. And if hope is going to show up, it needs to show up here. Because it does me no good later on if it does me no good right here. But this is the world that we live in. This is the brokenness that we find ourselves in. I want so much people to accept me. I want to belong, but I don't want them to know everything. Because otherwise they might not accept me. And then comes in... A God who says, I know you just like you are and I accept you right where you are. You now belong to me. I've got skin in this game. I'm not taking it lightly. No one planned this. No one thought of this. This was too low for a God who was too big. It's too close for a God who I'd rather keep at a distance because it gets very uncomfortable when I know that he knows all the things that I don't want people to know. And if there is hope, it's got to show up there. It's got to show up in the mud and muck and mire. It's got to show up in the, the prayers that are, are screams, that are cries, that are cursings. It's got to show up in the hurt that cripples us. It's got to show up in the world that we live in. Pain breaks the idolatry of our misguided views of God. It's not neat and clean. It's messy. If you've ever been in an operating room when a child is born, it's messy. It's amazing, but it's messy. The hope that keeps our hearts beating is that we can truly be known, that we can truly be loved, and that our deepest desire to change is understood. And this is where we find the story, the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus shows up in this world where we live with this pain, with these struggles, with this conflict of soul, and where we find acceptance. My daughter started knitting. She just became a nurse. We're real proud of her. And she's got these crazy hours. She goes in at seven at night, gets off at 7.30 in the morning. And so 
sometimes she's like trying to unwind and so she took up knitting, right? And knitting's tricky stuff, I guess, I, you know. But she started making some things. She made a little Yoda doll. But when she first started, she said, look what I'm doing. And I'm like, what is it? Because you know, all it is is a little thing. You know, it's all these little things that are looped together. And she goes, it's Yoda. Sure it is. You know, it's like those three-year-olds who say, look, Dad, I drew a picture. What is it? It's you. Oh, yeah, exactly. She's doing this, and it doesn't look like anything at the beginning. You know, can't see Yoda in there at all. But as she goes along, and it starts becoming more defined pretty soon, oh, okay, that's his head. I get it. It's got the football Yoda head, right? It it looks like Yoda. Okay, and then it has the little coat on him and the whole thing. It was really cute, right? And so all of a sudden, the picture starts to come into view. But you don't understand it at the beginning. You can't really see it and identify it at the early stages. It just looks like string, yarn. That's what it is. It looks like yarn. You can tell. The big it has no meaning. And there was one point where she said, oh, I messed up. And she had to start unraveling it. She had to go back and take out some things. There's a passage in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9 through 10. It says, He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the time reaches their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ, to bring all things into unity restoring, reconciling, renewing. They're consistent and persistent in what they're doing. It's stitch by stitch. It's day by day. It's a work that is continually, even if slowly, taking place that God starts to do within us. And Even as I shared last week, C.S. Lewis wrote that all bad things will one day become untrue. That God is working in all things to try and bring about unity between us and God. Jesus said that they might be one as we are one. That means your broken heart. All things. That means poverty. All things. That means sickness, disease, racism, all things, fractured relationships, all things. How long does it take? It's taking a long time, but it's taking place now. You see, the hope is that God is at work right now. I love in that psalm where it says, at night, at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. That song is with me. I, I have this to remind me. You know, they, they say that lullabies bring familiarity to children and that familiarity helps ease anxiety or fear. So when they hear a lullaby and they're afraid of the dark, the song brings a familiarity that reminds them of their parent, that there's someone there, that everything is okay. My son Judah, my grandson Judah, he doesn't like to fall asleep for his nap, so we have to take him for a ride, right? Parents, you know that old trick, right? Throw him in the car seat, put him in, buckle him up, and go for a drive. 
And so what I do is I put on Radiohead lullabies. They're amazing, right? And, and going up Euclid, and we got songs that I go, oh, I like this song, even though it's a lullaby right now. And all of a sudden, he goes to sleep. He's like, I can't fight it anymore. Just relaxes. Is able to say I'm safe. Everything's okay. I can stop trying and wrestling with this. And you see, there's a song that comforts us in the night. It's one that comes to us that says, you're known. And you're loved. And you're cared for. And I have shown up so that you could know me and put your trust, put your hope, not in an idea that's out there, but in someone who's shown up and walked like you walk, lived like you live, and has lived in a way to give us an example of what is really required of us. See, God has put skin in the game so that he could reach us, so that we would have hope that we could hold on to right here where we live. Let's pray. Lord, I hope that we can take our limited views of you, our limited views of of Christmas, or even of Jesus and realize that there is so much more to this story than we maybe have heard or understood. That the way you have worked and done things is not what we would want, but it is what we need. And you have shown up in a way that pulls us to want to be like you, where we care about those who are disfranchised and and forgotten and are marginalized, where we would actually love instead of want to bring about vengeance, where we would allow a change to be first seen within us before expecting one outside of us. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to pull each of us with these cravings, these desires for for truth, these desires for hope, these desires for wonder, this desire to love and be loved. Lord, they're breadcrumbs that lead us to you. And I pray that wherever we are at this morning, we would pick up that one and the next one and the next one and find ourselves there by you. Lord, you know us. You know who we are. You know that we need you. We need help to be more than what we are now. Help us, God, to see that.
to find and trust you for that. Let's stand together. In every recovery program, whether it's Alcoholics Anonymous, NA, Celebrate Recovery, they all have as a foundation that you would trust in a higher power. Now, they don't say what the higher power can be. It could be your shower head. They don't care, right? The point is you have to get outside of yourself if you're going to get help. And that's the invitation that we have this morning is to go outside of ourself to get the help that we need and understand that God is there and wants to help. And so my prayer, our prayer is that you would look to him, extend yourself and get whatever help is needed in your life because we all need it. God bless you guys. Let's close with another song. Thank you, guys. Sounded great. And may Christmas mean more to you. May you realize that God has stepped close, that he knows you, and that he loves you, and that wherever you are, whoever you are, you belong. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day. Merry Christmas. Enjoy your family. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.